Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. And if you're new here, hi, welcome. If you like things strange and unusual and true crime, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button. You can also head down to the description box and you'll see a link that will take you to our social media. That'll give you access to um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that jazz. So yeah, it's a little different today. I'm by myself, as you can tell. (laughs) Hannah's not here. But that's okay because we're um, we're gonna rock this out anyways. Don't really have much to talk about. I hope everyone, a lot of people have spring break this coming week. We do. So we're going out of town. Hope everyone has a great spring break. If you're on spring break, if you're not there yet, you'll be there soon maybe. Maybe you've already had it. I don't know. So anywho, we're going to jump into today because we have a lot to cover and I don't want to waste any time. We're actually going out of town this afternoon. So um, I got to get this, get this in and get this uploaded. Uh, If you saw the title, then you know what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about cults, basically. Um, Well, one cult in particular, Children of God cults. Some of you might actually know about this cult. Um, It was pretty well known. And also, I think some celebrities, actually their their parents um, joined the cult. Uh, But they weren't really joining for cult reasons. They were joining to like find a community but they didn't stay very long I think um Joaquin Phoenix his parents did in the 70s I believe but they didn't stay very long um after they realized kind of what it was because at first it sounds like this cult's gonna be all great and grand but it it's not of course they weren't presenting themselves as a cult to the public they were presenting themselves as a religion but we're going to get into it. So David Berg was the leader of this cult. So a little about a little bit about David is what we're going to talk about here at the beginning because you kind of need to understand like how he grew up and all that in order to understand why he did the cult, why he did the children of God religion the way that he did turned it into a cult. Okay. So David was born February 18th, 1919. 1919 yes you guys know I always get mixed up (laughs) with 18s and 19s in California his parents were Helmer I believe I might be saying that wrong Berg and Virginia Brandt Virginia was actually a reverend both of his parents were like Christian evangelists um his mother even though like she came from a pretty religious background I believe her dad and grandfather maybe were preachers as well she did have kind of a rebellious side in college she actually became atheist a little bit i believe and kind of shied away from religion altogether but eventually like i said she put that behind her and she became a reverend herself david was the youngest of three kids uh, David's childhood was spent traveling the road a lot because, like I said, her, his parents were, um, you know, evangelists. And if you know about evangelists, they travel around, tell the word of God, preach the word of God to everybody. They don't really have a home base type of situation. However, in 1924, his family did move to Miami, Florida, and they would stay there for 14 years. And they kind of started like a little community type church. So she, at that point, they kind of stopped doing their evangelistic stuff but they would still do it 
every now and again. It just wasn't constant. When David was around four years old, his babysitter began to molest him. They had a babysitter that they had. And his mother actually, like, she, she would do this when she would put him to bed. So his mother did actually catch the babysitter doing this, and she fired her, like, immediately right on the spot. I would have beat her ass, but whatever. Um, and so she... But she never talked to David about what happened to him. I know he was just four, and some people might be thinking, well, that's too young, and that's probably what she was thinking. Like, maybe he would forget about it. It wasn't really that traumatic. Some people would think it wasn't really that traumatic because he'll, he won't remember it, you know? But he does remember it, and children do remember. And so it's very important to talk to your kids if you ever have anything like that going on. Because they need to know that it's not right. They need to know, you know, that it's not okay for an older person to do this to them. Or anybody, for that matter. Um, so, yeah, just make sure you talk to your kids. Because she did not. She kind of just brushed it off. Like I said, she probably thought that he would forget. Whatever the case, it was not good. It was not a good idea because it shaped the way he would think later in life. <coughs> Excuse me. In 1930, David was a teenager, and he became his mom's chauffeur, song leader, and assistant while traveling on the road. His older siblings had fallen away from religion and God, kind of. They kind of, I think they, look, I came from a family where we, my dad was a gospel singer, and so we were at church all the time. But certain events led in my life led me to shy away from God. I came back to him in my 20s, um, which I was glad that I did. But it definitely did. It definitely, when, when you're a teenager and there's so much turmoil going on in your life, or you think there is, there really wasn't that much going Well, there was in mine, but neither here nor there. <laughs> you just shy away from it. Um, you can't shy away from it. And that's kind of what they did. I believe that they came back to religion later, but they got out from under their mom. David said that he admired his mother and loved her. However, his mom was pretty strict. Uh, some, some would call what she was doing unusual. David was a teen, as I said, and teen boys have sexual urges, right? So this sexual urge he had was to masturbate. Well, his mother uh, did not like that. <laughs> she would catch him if they were traveling, like in the camper, or if they were traveling at a hotel or something like that. She would catch him. She would, you know, hit his hands and tell him that you're not supposed to do that. That's not right. One time, she even brought him downstairs, like they were at the house. They were back at home in Miami and she caught him brought him downstairs in front of everybody like his family and everybody and told them what he had did and how it was wrong and embarrassed the crap out of him and she said if you ever if I ever catch you masturbating again I'm gonna cut your hands off which whoa <laughs> that's intense so you know that's kind of his outlook of sex I guess you could say that this is this is shaping how he looks at sex um and he struggled apparently I've, I've read some things that said that he did struggle 
internally when he was younger with like I have these urges but I'm supposed to follow what my mother says because she's close to God you know what I mean so it was just really weird so David was living kind of like this double life in his 20s though he decided to step away from the church and he started uh going to college he studied philosophy and socialism and he became uh what he called a christian socialist and started trying to find his new home life because he didn't want to be with his parents anymore or live with his mom anymore he met jane miller in 1944 and had four children with her she is known to some by a different name in the cult she was called deborah i'm not really sure why but now, in the 1960s, if you remember, this was the time that, like, religion became kind of a free-for-all. People were trying to expand their minds, find their place in life. Um, you know, you had, there was a mix of a lot of evangelical, I'll get it in a minute, <laughs> couldn't say it evangelical preachers a lot of evangelists um traveling around preaching the word of god on the streets because this is during like vietnam and war and it was the hippie movement and all this other stuff so you know they were just trying to preach to everybody a lot of preachers were doing good but you'll come to see that david kind of fell into this trend and he turned out not to be so good it was also like later his daughters came out and said this is nothing to do with um traveling around and being a preacher but his his daughters came out and said later that um they did get molested by him when when they were younger so right off the bat we can see that what happened to him when he was younger not getting the help that he needed, not understanding what was going on, and his sexual urges later being suppressed, um, you know, I'm not saying that if you do get molested or anything like that when you're younger, there's plenty of people that have that do not become a molester themselves. Actually, it's more likely that you won't, but this may have contributed to him being that way because he does i mean he's a pedophile eventually you'll figure that out um but who knows it could have been because his mother didn't get him help or it could just been he simply he was just introduced to sex too young we were just not sure but he did molest his his kids she wrote it in a book i believe um his daughter did his daughter deborah his oldest david was also having sex with other women at the time while on the road obviously just constantly being you know cheating on his wife in 1968 he founded an organization called teens for christ in huntington beach california they taught about america's demise and the apocalypse and that god is love and that you know that's the only way you're gonna survive the apocalypse is if you put your faith in god so i mean he would thrive in today's time with everybody talking about the apocalypse <laughs> the club eventually grew into the hundreds and it was mostly teenagers actually all teenagers except for him and a few other adults 
He told his young followers to leave their family if they didn't want to follow God. They became the children of God after this. They got kicked out of Huntington Beach because they were, you know, started stirring up some stuff and some of the adults around there didn't like what they were seeing. Kind of some brainwashing techniques going on. So they had to find them a new place. They eventually made it to the Arizona desert and set up camp. David preached like an expanded preacher sermon type thing on the apocalypse. He preached for over 19 hours. And after this, he said that he had a vision from God. He also told his followers he had to divorce his wife and marry someone new named Maria. I think Maria was actually like his lover. Um, and so <laughs> he was like, yeah, this vision from God told me that I had to divorce her and his, his wife's like right there and marry this woman. And I'm sure she was probably like, oh, what the hell? Um, even though Jane was, you know, hurt i'm assuming by this she still stuck around she still stayed in this religion cult whatever so in 19 in the night oh and after this after he had the vision he also started calling himself mo david like moses like david moses like he was moses he was but he was david and it was weird it was really really weird so in 1970s, the cult found its place on some land in Texas, about 100 miles from West Dallas. So they stayed there for a long time. In the early days of the cult, they would go out and preach to people. They wanted to grow, and it was all about expansion, you know, grow, grow, grow. And the one thing that you had to do in order to be a part of this religion, because they didn't call it a cult at first, I keep saying cult, but really it was a religion. The one thing you had to do was accept Jesus into your heart and know that he was your savior. So, hmm, that's kind of taking from Christian context. Um, <laughs> but eventually you'll, you're kind of like, well, that sounds like Christianity. Well, yes, but eventually you're going to see how he started off really, really small and subtle. And then once he got the attention of, you know, his people, basically, um, you know, it, it completely changed what he started doing. So in this cult, they kind of lived on all this land together. Their days were also spent fellowshipping together um, and going out and recruiting they would spend hours in fellowship different different sections of the day during all of this they did have people rise up against them and they even got kicked off of their land in texas after a while you know people were like yeah this is cult behavior um so they eventually got kicked off their land in texas when the word got out that they were you know, it got out all over the country, all over the U.S. So in 1977, David started living in seclusion. This is when he kind of went into isolation and he told his followers like he had to go into isolation because, you know, he was getting visions from God and I don't know, he just got really weird after this. This was also during the time that David started writing what he called the Mo Letters. Like, remember I said, he was calling himself Moses David. So, these are the Mo Letters. 
In these letters, he told his followers to stop talking, uh, stop talking, stop taking birth control, never have a full-time job. So right off the bat, we see stop taking birth control. What do you think that means? Well, that means that if they're not taking birth control and they're having sex with each other, they're upping their numbers and members because they're having babies. The second thing in that is don't have a full-time job. If they don't have a full-time job and they don't have any income flow that's really, really like substantial, they're not going to want to get off this reserve where they're getting fed and they're getting meals and, you know, all this other stuff. They have a place to sleep because they're not going to really survive out somewhere else. And you have to remember all of these people are in their teens, early 20s. So they're very, you know, he, he got he got kids and people that were very vulnerable like all cults do. That's usually how they start out. I don't know that I've ever seen a cult where it's grown-ass people coming and being like, oh, yes, everything that you said, I'm just going to completely change my way of life and follow you. I mean, I'm sure there, there are some out there, but, like, majority of them that are really bad start out with young impressionables. He would also slowly tell his followers that, you know, like the Bible... He would say, the Bible, we do need to follow it, but you also need to follow the letters that I am writing because they are coming from God. The, the words that I'm saying are coming from God. So read the Bible, but also these letters that I'm writing you, these Mo letters, take a lot of, a lot of stock into them and know that this is the way, basically. I feel like I was in the Mandalorian for a minute. Um, <laughs> so David also eventually fled to England because it seemed that the children of God were gaining the wrong kind of attention and he was getting members, like, it was getting harder to get members. So he was like, okay, well, let me move to England where not a lot of people know us and then we're going to try to expand in the whole entire world. He also instructed some of his higher leaders so he would get people that were older, you know, that had, by this time, they were in their 20s. He would get them to be leaders and go out to other countries and expand. He started recruiting in countries like Japan, Australia, India, and New Zealand. Also in 1973 was when he started making Mo letters printed and he would send them out to all of his followers. So it wasn't just one little spot. He would like mass produce these. There were over 68 million letters that were distributed. There was also a lot of love is love talk. Like, everyone was having sex with everyone. There was wife swapping, swinger sessions, etc. David still was in seclusion in England and became began to spiral into an alcoholic um, state, all while writing these letters and starting to take this religion cult into a totally new direction. He started writing that God was love and there was a law of love law of love the devil hates sex but god loves it and all the members should be engaging in sexual activity with each other they also had like a schedule and they would have sex between members he also called the women of the cult flirty fishers some of the women's not all the women did this but some of the women were sent out into like brothel uh, brothels bars and um strip clubs and you know places like that or even on the streets 
and they were to kind of attract men to the cult through sex. So they were called the flirty fishers. Even his new wife, Maria, would partake in this, and she also became pregnant with a boy. This boy's name was Ricky. Ricky's very important because right off the bat, David said that he was the chosen one. He would lead them into the end times of the apocalypse because at this point, some of the people are like, okay, when is this apocalypse going to happen, dude? Like, you've been saying this for a hot minute and, like, it still hadn't happened. And um, so he was kind of like, oh, yes, Ricky. Ricky is the one that will lead us into the apocalypse. Have patience, you know, and, and he, he, he's the chosen one and I've gotten a vision from God and all this stuff. So by 1978, though, a lot of members, older ones, had left. There were still thousands, but a lot were leaving. He wrote a letter explaining to his cult that he had been sexually molested when he was younger by his babysitter, but that it wasn't a bad thing. It opened his mind and gave him purpose. He explained also that girls, when they were young in the Bible, 11, 12, 13, they were engaging in sex and getting pregnant and having babies. They were married young. Different families at this time were told to start living together. So, like, they would have one or two, like, they would have two or three families living together in a certain house or commune or whatever. And this was when children were then put on the quote-unquote sharing schedule that I told you about. One woman recalled having to have a different man every night come get her and take her away. And she was only 12. Not all homes did this, though, but many did. Um, so, yeah, there was a documentary I was watching, and a lot of a lot of women were like, yeah, we, I mean, every single night we were on the schedule to have sex with some new person, and they would come in, take us to a room or whatever, um, and I can't even, like, I can't even imagine being like, yes, take my daughter. Like, what the fuck? If, 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 even if I was following, and he lost a lot of members during this time um, because of this, but even if I was following someone, at that point, my children matter more to me than you. So I'd be like, um, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> I'd be one of those people that left, like, because that's probably why some of these people left. They were like, yeah, let's, let's go. Like, you're done. Um, not all, oh, oh, so in 19, 1980s, he started saying they should make videos. Um, his members did, and they would send him video, they would send David the videos. And so basically it was like child pornography. They weren't engaging in sex in these videos, but they were like dancing naked in front of the camera. And he said, if you make a video, send it to me. And he would say, oh, yes, God loves this. Whew, it's intense. I'm just like, what the fuck? I don't understand. So even his son, Ricky, um, was written about in a book. This was kind of like a children's book, quote unquote. But it really wasn't a children's book. It was, it was illustrated like one. There was drawings and stuff like that. This book was not... A good, nice, beautiful book, though. 
It depicted his son being molested by babysitters as early as four, and it was also taught that he was also taught sex at a young age. There was even like illustrations of this and actual pictures of like his son in there. Like I can't even fathom people being like, "Oh, what a lovely book!" Like what the? It it gets crazy, guys. I told you it got crazy. They even had photos and drawings, like I said. However, all this started coming to light in the 1980s, and there were, like, millions of copies that were destroyed because they were going to... Apparently, there was just a lot of back and forth by anti-cult groups that were coming up saying that they have these, and, and so they started being investigated. So they were trying to, like, throw them out and, like, get them, get them gone. It took a long time for the investigation to obviously uh, produce something, and we'll get to that. But, yeah, they tried to destroy all the copies. However, anti-cult groups did keep some of the copies. So, there's some out there. The teens were also sent to camps, sometimes especially if they did not want to engage in the sexual schedules like I told you about. These camps were also made for the teens to become soldiers of God. They were basically in boot camp. Um, they also would make them farm and make them work and make them, you know, just be out in this heat and sweat and all this. Which I'm not saying it's a bad thing for kids to get outside. But what I'm saying is, is they treated them like prisoners of labor, basically. They used them as labor on these different camps and stuff. Um, and some of these places were in like, um, you know, in, in the, in the heat in Singapore and places like that. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. During the children of God fallout, I guess you could say, um, they also changed their names a few times. They became, so it was the children of God. They changed it to family of love then they changed it to just the family. And finally, today, they're known as Family International. And we'll get to, like, today's stuff, too. David did eventually die, though, in 1994 in Portugal after his... Um, I, I, probably he died from alcoholism, I would say, because, let's be honest, he was drinking a lot. <laughs> And that's what's crazy to me. Like, no one knew that in the cults. None of his followers were like, hey, we're taking advice from an alcoholic. Nobody knew he was an alcoholic, just his family. And so, which, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But, so his family knew he was an alcoholic. Nobody else knew. But if they would have known, I wonder if that would have changed their perspective on his writing. Like, would they have been like, um, we're following an alcoholic He's not even following, like, his own rules, so maybe we should dip out. So after his death, Maria, his wife, led the family cults um, with 6,000 adults and 3,000 children worldwide in 50 different countries. She became the leader. In the 1990s, all over the world, though, many members were getting arrested for child abuse and child pornography and different things like that. They saw the videos. They saw the letters. All this was coming out. So this was in the 1990s. And they started getting investigated in the 1980s. So you see how long it took for them to 
you know, for the, the governments to really gather all the information that they needed and investigate and stuff like that. Maria and Peter, her new husband, wrote to the governments um, and stated that those practices would no longer be put into place and that we would appreciate, like, basically saying we really want to keep this uh, family international alive. We've got a new name. We've got new people involved. You know, David's dead. We're not fixing to follow his word anymore. And he was crazy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so she really wanted to keep keep the, keep the cult alive, but change it, I guess. So from 2004 to now, like I said, it's called the Family International. Still to this day, they're still called Family International. However, they told their members to expand and find their own beliefs and even attend churches if they wanted to. No matter the try no matter like they were trying to change they weren't trying to change people and 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 make them follow them which kind of sounds like to me they were just like yeah go we're still family international but go to different churches expand your mind find your own religion if you want to basically like eventually we'll lose all the members and then we can you know go out and quietly <laughs> um however the case though Hundreds of children were damaged because of this. 24 children that we know of were, you know, have taken their lives from this cult. Um, many have online groups that they follow, you know, communities that they, that they chat on on Facebook and different places. Now, Ricky, let's go back to Ricky. Ricky was David's son that he had with Maria that was born by some random dude that she had went out and tried to bring to the cult. You remember the flirty, flirty Fisher thing? So Ricky in 2005, I believe, like, he left the cult. He was kind of upset. He was in a very declining mental state. And he was really, really upset. He, he wanted something to be done. He wanted justice to be done. He did not want, he didn't believe that they should be let off. You know, even though some members were being arrested, he wanted, like, his mom to be arrested. None of the family, by the way, none of Maria and, you know, the family that was living with um, David in England and immediate family. And they called him, I, I don't know, they called him something like David was like the king and she was the queen. And anyways, so none of those people went to jail. And I don't understand how, because there were literal pictures of her son, illustrations of her son being, like, molested in these illustrations and these Mo letters. And in this book that, remember the book that I told you that was written about Ricky and his, like, because he was, a pro, he was, like, the chosen one, so they wrote a book about him. Um, so I don't know how she didn't go to jail. And Ricky didn't, didn't really know either. He was pissed. He was upset. He was you know, depressed. He was mentally unwell because of all the shit that had happened to him when he was little. So he tries to move on with his life. He leaves. He gets a girlfriend. Um, he tries to get a job, but, you know, he's grown up in this cult and in this environment where he didn't ever have a job, really. Um, he was the chosen one. So I believe he tried to get his sister away from Maria 
Because even though the cult had changed their name and everything, Ricky still believed that they were still the same way un- underneath everything. You know, they, it wasn't out more like in the letters, but they were still doing the same thing, still doing the same molestations for kids and stuff and, and kids and stuff like that. So he wanted to get his sister. Um, he tried to get his sister, but he couldn't. So he call, he contacted one of the babysitters that had actually molested him. And I think he wanted to, like, see her. And I don't know what he told her, but she went and saw him. And then he killed her. He actually stabbed her to death. He drove to the border um, and then crossed the border. And then I think he called his girlfriend and told her, like, bye and all this stuff. And then he shot himself. So very, very sad um, for him because, man, at the age of three and four was when he was starting to be introduced to sex and that is just hmm, that is that is not good um so yeah that is the story of the children of god cults i want to talk just a little bit about how i don't get people being brainwashed like i don't understand it even if i was a teenager or even if i was in my teens 16, 17, 18, 20, I still have all of the same beliefs and I still have all of the same things that my parents instilled in me as we were growing up. I get that the 60s were a time when cults were thriving because everybody was lost. It was the Vietnam War. You know, people were conflicted with everything going on, especially teens, and you had the hippie movement and all that. I don't know. I just don't understand brainwashing. Not that I say I could never be brainwashed. I'm sure I could probably. I don't know. But I doubt it. (laughs) Um, Is there anybody out there that has had certain experiences with cults? Or maybe like felt like, okay, this is kind of getting cultish. Like I need to get out. Um, I was just, I'm just wondering. I'm just curious. Like I don't understand the psychology behind it. It fascinates me. Cults fascinate me. Because I can get it if you're a a a child because some of those children that we were talking about that were on the sharing schedule actually one of the women she did stay in the cult for years um she i think she even stayed in as the family international like she still considers herself family international because that was all she knew she grew up that way as soon as she was like 11 and 10 10 11 12 whatever some of the girls women excuse me now they're women but they were girls then some of them said when they were girls and this was happening to them they actually thought that there was something wrong with them because they didn't enjoy it and they thought okay maybe that means that i don't love god or god doesn't love me which is so fucked up to to put these kids through but um you know I I just don't, I don't understand. I can understand that. I can understand growing up in it as a child and not realizing that it's bad. But I don't understand these parents, man. As soon as I had kids, you know, my whole world changed when I had kids. I can't imagine, I've loved kids forever. I couldn't imagine anyone doing that to any kid. But it's like my kids, like when you have kids, there's something primal that comes out in you as a mother or a father. It doesn't matter. And you will literally take a bullet for that kid. (laughs) You will take a bullet for your kid. Um, So I can't imagine somebody doing that. Like I said earlier, I I would just be like, uh, you're weird and we're done. And I'm calling the police. (laughs) Like, 
if this is how you're going to take this direction of this religion that you're calling it. So yeah, it's just crazy to me. Um, if anybody has any, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of research on cults and we could get into the psychology of them, but we'd be here all day. And it's just, it's insane. Now, like Charles Manson, that type of cult, I get that because he was, he was actually like giving them drugs. There were drugs in the Children of God cult, but it wasn't supposed to happen. There wasn't supposed to be drugs. There wasn't supposed to be a lot of that going on. So, but, you know, Charles Manson's cults, that whole situation, they were on lots of drugs. And he got very impressionable teenagers who had been kicked out of their house and all this other stuff. And, I mean, one of the things that David Berg did tell his followers in the beginning when they were in Huntington Beach was, you know, leave your family. So these kids, these teenagers, some of them being 16, 17, you know, 15, 18, whatever, they don't have anywhere to go. So they have left their family because their family's like, yeah, you don't need to go to the beach and listen to that man anymore. But they didn't care. So they left their family. They went to the desert with him, for God's sakes. And then he starts telling him about all these visions he's having. And he preaches for 19 hours on it. Oh, also, <laughs> that was another thing. They, since he preached for so long, he was saying that the only reason he was able to do this was because God was speaking through him. So, that right there was another, he was a very good manipulator. I mean, if you look back, if you read all the stuff and you watch the documentaries and stuff like that, he knew what he was doing. He was very good. He subtly, you know, started small, built up these things in their minds, and kept on, kept on, kept on, and kept on. And then eventually he was able to do basically whatever he wanted. I mean, I guarantee you that he probably could have told them, okay, you're going to have to kill all the firstborn children. And then we'll be ready for the apocalypse. And they would have done it, to be honest. Probably. They would have done it. Um, and we've talked, you know, there's other cults. We don't, we haven't really talked a lot about cults. Um, but there are other cults where that has happened. Uh, you know, so it's just insane to me. But, all right, guys. Well, that's all I got for you today. Hopefully I didn't ramble on too much. It's kind of hard when you don't have another person here bouncing ideas off of <laughs> So, um, I hate doing episodes by myself just simply because I like to have other people to talk to and other ideas to bounce off of somebody. But, um, so yeah, but hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. Like I said, if you're really into like, so the cycle, the psychological, you know, stuff behind cults, um, the psychology behind them, just have some in the comments and let us know what you think about this one because this one's crazy to me um the fact that there was you know tens of thousands of members at its peak there were like tens of thousands of members out there 10 15 you know twenty thousand members that was before they started going in this child molestation you know direction but yeah just let me know what you think about this one. And if you guys want us to talk about some more cults, let me know. Because there's tons out there. Uh, I don't really... I could talk about Charles Manson. I, I, 
know all about Charles Manson, so it would not be hard to do. It's just that a lot of people have heard about him, so I don't really know if you guys want to hear about him again. There's not much more to tell than what everybody knows, uh, but there's tons of different cults we can talk about. So don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's where we do a lot of polls. Next week's episode, we should have one um, as long as we're, we're going on vacation for spring break, like I said. So next week's episode might not be till Saturday or Sunday, but it'll be at some point. Um, and go follow us on Twitter, like I said, because we have polls that we put up there to let everybody know, like, hey, what's the next episode you guys want or are interested in? Also... I wanted to mention that you need to go leave us a review on Apple if you would be so kind as to do that or any other review place that you can leave. But I'm pretty sure Apple's kind of like the only one. Uh, We really would appreciate it. A five-star review would be absolutely fantastic. But if you can't, (laughs) I completely understand. You know, um, if you're new here, this is not usual. Usually my sister is with me, so we get to be like a little bit more funny and all that. And we don't banter as much as I'm doing right now rambling on um also don't forget to follow us on YouTube I was about to say Spotify we're not on Spotify well we are on Spotify but you can follow us there but (laughs) YouTube go subscribe hit that subscribe button we're we're at 104 subscribers which is awesome but we want to keep those numbers pumping up And, uh, yeah, so we'll hope to see you guys next week. We hope that you have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye!